Um, so for our, uh, for our time this morning, we're not going to have uh, Mosaic Kids because uh, we still have a family Sunday, one la the last family Sunday, and then when we get into January, we'll be back, back to our normal rhythm. Um, but I just wanted to announce that first. Um, and I also, also wanted to say I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Um, I was, me and my wife were out of town celebrating Christmas with uh, my family, but I missed my Mosaic family here, uh, not being able to be here for Christmas Eve, but it looks like you guys had a great time. Um, and I also wanted to say Happy New Year, if you didn't know already, today's New Year's Eve. Um, and uh, as I was praying... Um, and preparing for this sermon today, I was struck by the unique opportunity to preach not only the last sermon of the year, but also on New Year's Eve itself, a day where we can reflect on all that has transpired over the last year and wait with either uh, eager anticipation or maybe anxious anticipation for what the next year holds. And I believe the passage that the Lord brought to my mind as I was praying about that um, comes from the, the Old Testament in a book called Lamentations. And you may think that that's quite an interesting book to turn to on a day of celebration like New Year's Eve, but I hope as we read from this text and hear what the Spirit is speaking to his people this morning, that we would, we would see the beauty and the fellowship that can be ours in Christ Jesus and that he is walking with us through the thick and through the thin. And whether this new year holds great highs or great lows, we have a great God who is constant, he's unchanging, and who wants to meet us in those places. So if you're, if you're anxious and overwhelmed about the unknowns as you are still trying to process the surprises of last week, let alone the surprises that a new year brings, I invite you to listen in this morning. If you're excited for this new year and all the hopes and dreams that you have for it, I also invite you to listen in as well, wherever you may be this morning. I invite you to listen as we turn our eyes back to the Lord and see him as the endlessly valuable treasure that he is. But before we begin, I'd like to start us off with a word of prayer. Lord, it's your word that we want to hear from this morning. We want to hear your truth. We want, to be, we want our, our hearts aligned with your character, with your goodness. So I pray as we turn to this book of Lamentations that you, um, you've inspired the words on these pages, words that point us, again, back to you and back to your goodness. And I ask that you would show us your beauty this morning in, your, in the pages of your scripture and that we would leave this place more in love with you as we, as we go out into a new year starting tomorrow, that we would do that on the on the, the, the foundation of your goodness that you've shown to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, you can turn with me now to Lamentations chapter three. And if you're not familiar with this book, it was written during the time of the fall of Jerusalem at the hand of the Babylonians. And the subsequent exile that came of that as the people of God were brought out of their land, their homeland, and taken captive by the Babylonians. The author of uh, the book of Lamentations um, writes these poems of lament over the fall of the great city of Jerusalem and the captivity of God's people. And as with many portions of the Old Testament, this story, yet again, echoes the story of Eden where God placed Adam and Eve in the garden. They were unable to obey and follow God's commands and, and they were sent out into exile because of their sin. And in the same way, the people of God had... Uh, 
constantly serially disobeyed the commands of God and rebelled against him. And as a result, they were exiled from their land, the promised city of Jerusalem. And this book is a resounding reminder of the seriousness of our sin and rebellion to God. The fact that God is, is not to be mocked and he is a just judge and who will avenge against all who sin against him. But at the same time, much like the rest of, this, of the Bible, we see this constant thread and theme of God's faithfulness, steadfast love, and mercy despite man's sin and rebellion. We see both the promises and glimpses of God's redeeming love and faithfulness present in the pages of this book, which is otherwise filled with great sorrow and lamentation over sin and its consequences. As with the rest of the Bible, this book points us to and to the, the, the need for a savior and that this need is satisfied in the finished work of Jesus on the cross for us. With this in mind, we come to our passage in Lamentations 3. One commentary I read said of this chapter, chapter 3 stands as not only as the center of the book, but as the heart of its theology. So in this chapter, we see that the poet, he start, goes from speaking about the, the, the sins of the people, and he makes it more personal. He begins to take responsibility. And the poet um, expresses the guilt and sorrow over their sin. And then the poet turns from this total loss of hope and sorrow, and he turns to the Lord's faithfulness and mercy as a new source of hope in the midst of that. So with all of that, let's, let's read now Lamentations 3, starting in verse 16. He says this, He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood, wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remember, remembers it and is bowed down within me. So there, you can see the vivid anguish that the poet is feeling here in this moment. The sorrow has, he has, led, has led him to this total loss of hopelessness and happiness. And he's even feeling abandoned. And I, as I read that, uh, it seems so uh, depressing, but that's, there's times when I've felt like that in my own life as well. And it seems like things, the, 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 the hardships of this life are so, um, so overwhelming, it seems to be the only thing that you can think about as they permeate our mind. And that seems that that's this, the place of this, uh, the author of this book is he feels this great sadness over what has happened. But then notice the shift starting in verse 21. He says this, but I call, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So here's where we find our first encouragement for the new year that we can take from this text this morning, and that's in 2024, let us remind ourselves of the Lord's faithfulness and mercy. In 2024, let us remind ourselves of the Lord's faithfulness and mercy. So in, in reference to this passage, John Piper calls um, this the battle to remind. He says this, if we don't call to mind what God has said about himself and about us, we languish. Oh, how I know this from painful experience. Don't wallow in the mire of godless messages in your own mind. Messages like, I can't, she won't, they never, it has never worked. And he goes on to show how we are tasked with this, this great battle to remind ourselves over all the lies and the despair of the enemy of God's faithfulness and his truth. 
It's so easy to become downcast and consumed as we look at our circumstances and dwell on our hardships and pain. If we're not careful, we can become complacent and passive in our response to the thoughts in our minds. Thoughts that tear us down and leave us feeling hopeless. For some of us, these thoughts can come maybe in a season of, in a, of waiting. Waiting for someone we can love and start a family with. Waiting to have children to nurture and raise up. Waiting for a wayward child to come back to the Lord. Waiting for a job where we can truly feel like we have accomplished something of value. Waiting to finally hear a hopeful and, and good report from the doctor for your health to return. Whatever it may be, in the midst of these seasons of waiting, we can find ourselves becoming consumed by the thoughts of hopelessness and despair. And my prayer is, as we enter into this new year, we would not continue the pattern of passively listening to and becoming overtaken by the thoughts of despair and hopelessness, but rather we would call to mind the goodness and steadfast love of the Lord. The best way for us to do this is to call to mind the mercy and kindness of God that has been shown to us in the gospel. As we find ourselves consumed by the lies of the enemy in despair, it is an opportunity for us to invite the Holy Spirit to point our eyes back to the cross and to the empty tomb. As we fix our eyes on the gospel, we are reminded that when we were in our worst state, the Bible describes us as being dead in our trespasses and sins that God sent his son Jesus and Jesus lived a perfect, sinless, spotless life for us. He died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. Then he rose again, defeating sin and death for us. As we call to mind this, this wonderful message of the gospel, we can echo the prayer of the poet here in Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. May we remember this as we enter this new year. That we have a great God who loves us and has given us more than enough reason to believe in his goodness in the gospel. More than enough reason to know that he is for us. As we take the thoughts that are contrary to the goodness of God captive in our minds, we can fill our minds with the truth of who God is. That he is a good God and that he is for us and that he loves us. But what I don't want you to hear from this is a mind over matter, that you would have this wishful, hoping for the best mentality that ignores the reality of whatever pain you may be walking through. I don't believe that that is what the Lord is calling us into, nor do I see that is what the author of Lamentations is doing. Let me show you what I mean picking up in Lamentations 3.24. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So here's where uh, we find our second encouragement for the new year. In 2024, let us draw near to Jesus, the source of our hope. So verse 24 can seem like an, an odd statement. What does it mean that the Lord is my portion? This phrase is actually used quite a bit in the Old Testament. I found about four separate different uh, uh, examples of this in the Psalms where they use the same phrase, the Lord is my portion. But they're all pointing back to the same thing that this passage in Lamentations is pointing back to, and that's found in the book of Numbers. In, in Numbers, God is, is speaking to each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and as he speaks to each tribe, he lays out their inheritance that they will receive in the promised land. And then we come to Numbers 18. 
And in Numbers 18, God is speaking to the tribe of Levi, which is the tribe that was selected to be the one that the priests would come from. But look at what God tells them in Numbers 18.20. He says, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. So while all the other tribes would receive this, uh, this, this inheritance and portion from the land that was physical and, and therefore temporary, the tribe of Levi was promised an unfading and eternal inheritance, the Lord himself. The significance of the poet pointing back to this promise could not be any more profound. Remember, the book of Lamentations was written during a time when all of the physical blessings of Israel and their possessions had been stripped away as a result of their sin and rebellion. And there was, there was great reason for sorrow and lament as, every, as all these things had been lost. But then the poet says this simple phrase, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. What I believe the poet was remembering in this moment of great uh, despair was that while everything had been stripped away from the people of God, the city of Jerusalem, the, the very the symbol of God's promised land was lying in ruins as the people of God had been taken captive to a foreign land. Yet, the Lord was still with them. The Lord was present. He was still for them. He was still showing his steadfast love and faithfulness and kindness and goodness to them in the midst of their sorrow and pain, despite their sin. And I love that this is where the poet is led to as he pours out his heart in lamentation to the Lord. You can read through the, the pages of this book. There, he's not holding anything back. He's not, he's not ignoring the reality of what's happening. He poured out his heart in lamentation, and in that place, the Lord met him by his steadfast love and faithfulness in, the pres in his presence. He showed him his mercy. And in the same way, we have received an inheritance by our belief in the gospel. And as the people of God, our inheritance is not a physical blessing that is attached to the land. Rather, we have a greater inheritance in relationship with the Lord himself. I believe this is so important for us to remember and to learn because there are two there's two wrong ways that we can respond to maybe sorrow and, and, and grief in our lives as believers. We can either become consumed by it so much that we never come back up for air and we dwell on it and allow it to define us or overtake our joy. Or we see grief and sorrow as a being, being opposed to our faith and so we avoid it at all cost and try to suppress it. But I believe both of these responses to grief are contrary to the example of Scripture. See, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians about death and what our response should be to it. He says that we are to grieve the loss of loved ones when they die, but then he says we are not to grieve as those who do not have hope. And I believe he said this for two reasons. See, the first reason he says this is that he's acknowledging the importance of grieving the loss in death. See, scripture teaches us that death is a result of sin entering the world. And so when someone dies or we experience death in some way, it's important that we feel the grief and sorrow that comes as a result of that death. But then he says, we don't do this without, as those who do not have hope. He goes on to say that the reason we can have hope in the midst of our sorrow and grief is because of the resurrection. See, as believers, we can have hope in the midst of whatever we were walking through, whatever circumstances it may be, because death does not have the final say. You see, this is a resurrection hope that is eternal and does not fade away because it is found in relationship with the one who died and rose again, Jesus. 
I find this reminder uh, incredibly timely for myself. The last uh, couple of days I was filled with this feeling of despair and, and regret. And I won't get into all the details, but my heart was, was sorrowful and, and I was unable to sleep. And so in my sleeplessness, I felt the Lord drawing me close. As I, so I began to pour out my heart to him. And I told him how I was feeling and all the thoughts I had leading up to that moment and all the thoughts I was having afterwards. And I just laid it out on the table before him. Then the Lord met me in that place. I still felt a lot of the same emotions that I was feeling as I was pouring my heart out to the Lord, but he spoke to me and he gave me hope. The hope wasn't a mind over matter ignorance of what I was feeling and it wasn't found in some resolution to the circumstances that brought me to that place that night, but the hope was found in a person and that person was Jesus Christ who met me and was near to me in my heartache and pain. As I repented and turned from my despair and sin, Jesus met me and showed me that he was enough and his goodness was towards me. My prayer would be for us is that as we leave 2023 behind, the joys and the sorrows, regrets and achievements, and as we enter into this new year, that we would be a people who are marked by this same kind of resurrection hope. A people who are not ignorant of how we feel or how we're affected by this life and sin, but a people who draw near and seek out the one who is the source of our hope and satisfaction and joy. Perhaps, as I mentioned earlier, you're experiencing the pain of, of loneliness as you're waiting for the Lord to bring someone into your life to walk with. Maybe you or, or someone you, in your life is going through an extremely painful health crisis, or it could be that you're experiencing a deeply debilitating financial strain that makes you feel absolutely hopeless. Whatever you may be walking through, I want to first acknowledge that you're in that pain, and I encourage you to take that pain to Jesus and get honest and real with him in your prayers. As the scriptures say, pour out your heart before him like, like water. Don't leave anything behind as you express your heart and pains to the Lord. But as you sorrow and as you grieve, do so with the resurrection hope that Jesus brings. The hope that reminds us that Jesus has conquered sin and death for us and that he will one day return again. He will right every wrong. He will wipe away every tear as he makes all things new. And because of this, right now, we can experience the goodness and loving kindness of God as we seek him and find him and wait on him. And this is exactly what the writer of Lamentations found. Notice what he said in verses 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, as he, as he poured out his heart in lamentation to the Lord, he was met by the goodness of God. This is what has been made available to us as we seek the Lord in whatever we may be walking through. We can taste and see that he is good. As we experience his goodness, we have the most, most reason to rejoice and have hope because we have a great God who is near and is showing us his kindness toward us. But this hope is not just for these times of sorrow and lamentation. This hope can, can also be our source of celebration in the blessings we experience as well. To show you what I mean by that, um, I'm going to have us turn to another book in the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. So this book was written quite a few years before the book of Lamentations was written, but it's actually written about the same events that Lamentations was, the author of Lamentations was uh, experiencing and writing about. He, uh, Habakkuk had gotten this vision from the Lord 
that God was going to bring judgment on his people through a foreign nation, the Babylonians, because of their sin. And Habakkuk writes this book in response to this, in response to what the Lord had shown him. And there's this tension as we see Habakkuk, the prophet, praying to God as he sees the gravity of what is going to take place and his honest prayers to God in light of it. But I love the way that the book ends, picking up in Habakkuk 3.17. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deer's feet. He makes me tread on my high places. So here's where we find our third and final encouragement for the new year. In 2024, let us find the source of our joy and celebration in the Lord. This uh, this passage always reminds me of something that a friend would often talk about. He he called it settling it at the extreme. And he would say that when we think of our, our worst case scenario in any situation and answer the question, is Jesus enough in the midst of that? If our answer is, is yes, then anything short of Jesus, of that will always, uh, Jesus will always be good enough in that situation. And I believe this is similar to what Habakkuk is doing here. He is settling his heart in this extreme situation where it seems like nothing is going right. Habakkuk describes a situation where any physical comfort or security is completely removed. And then Habakkuk has this revelation that no matter how bad it may get, the Lord is enough. And I believe the reason why Habakkuk was able to say this is because he came to realize that no matter what blessings he had or didn't have, none of it could compare to the surpassing worth of what he had with the Lord. The source of Habakkuk's joy and rejoicing was not rooted in some temporary physical blessings, but it was established in the blessing of being in relationship with God. What Habakkuk had was only a taste of what has been made available to us in Christ Jesus. See, because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, we have been brought into an unshakable relationship with God. We have an eternal source of joy that is rooted in the one from whom all blessings flow. Jesus, our Savior and our friend. Church, because of this, we can, we can walk into 2024, come what may, with this eternal reason for to rejoice and to have joy. Because we have been brought into a relationship with the one who is the source of of our joy. See, the good things, they will come. God, we have a good God who loves to bless his children. And we are going to, and as we experience his goodness and his blessing, we don't see them as these, these random happenings that happen that aren't connected, but we see them as connected to this, the theme and the hand of God in our lives, that God is working, that God is good, and that he, is, he loves to bless his children. And we can have great celebration that comes as a result of us recognizing that the source of the joy and the blessing is the Lord himself. As we are given opportunity this next year to rejoice and celebrate in all the blessings and achievements and delights, we can do so from this foundation that our deepest satisfaction and source of celebration is the Lord himself. Physical blessings, they they can be temporary. They can be here today and gone tomorrow, but the blessings that we find in relationship with God, the goodness of who God is and his character is eternal. And when we walk through hardship and pain, we can still rejoice and have joy as we experience the closeness of the Lord who will never leave us or forsake us. 
And I believe this is what we see Habakkuk doing as he is settling at the extreme that no matter what, the Lord is good. The Lord is enough. And I believe this is also what the poet was doing in Lamentations 3 as he sees this great sorrow come upon him. He is able to rest in the truth that though all physical blessings may be stripped away, he still had the Lord as his portion and his inheritance. And my prayer would be as we enter into this new year that we would do so with this same resolve and conviction that we would have the Lord's kindness and love in the forefront of our minds, that we would remember that his mercies are new every morning as we, as we think back to all the good things that God has done in our lives. We have reason to rejoice because God has shown himself time and time again to be faithful and to be good to his, to his children. And that no matter what may come in blessing and in sorrow, the Lord is our portion. He's more than enough. Therefore, we have hope. And if you're, if you're in the, here this morning and you're, you're hearing all this and you're hearing about the goodness of God and you've yet to experience that for yourself, I would encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you would turn from uh, your own way, turn from walking in a way that's contrary to God, but that you would turn to the God who loves you and that you would see that he has, he has open arms as he is calling you to himself, calling you to his loving kindness and mercy that he has shown his goodness to us in the gospel, that he has sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, to bring us grace and salvation and healing. And you can experience this very same joy that is unfading and filled with joy in relationship and filled with glory in relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are... Um, a kind and good God, that you do love us and that you are for us and that you um, have constantly shown time and time again your goodness to us. When we forget what you have done, we, we, we doubt that you're good, but when we look and see the things that you've done, we've seen your hand time and time again. We are reminded of your faithfulness and your love towards us, and we thank you for that. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're just going to have a time of, of prayer, and uh, I don't have a prayer prompt on the screen, but I would just encourage you um, for this next um, couple of seconds that as, as we do have a time to pray, that you would just remember, that you would ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind the goodness of God, what he has done, the goodness that he has done in your life, the, the, the things that he has done to show his goodness and his loving kindness and his, his mercies that are new each morning. And that as you meditate on that and as we walk into this next year of 2024, that you would purpose to remember his goodness and his loving kindness. And that his, what he, his presence is more than enough for us. In the joys that we'll experience, the blessings, we can celebrate with greater uh, celebration and, and rejoicing because we know that, this, that those things come from a God who loves us special. It's something that's unique because he's, it's sh he's showing his love to us. And as, as, as maybe we know that hard things will come, that we can, we can rest on the truth that he still loves us, that he's still for us and he's still with us. So let's take the next 30 seconds to just remember the Lord's kindness, remember his goodness and uh, purpose to walk in, in that rem reminder each day of 2024.
Lord, you are good. Your loving kindness has been so clear in each of our lives. Pray that you would continue to show us more and more of your hand in our lives, more and more of your goodness and your character, that you would show us your love for us, your children, and that we would become more and more in love with you, that we, as we meditate on your truths and on the promises of your word, that we would, our faith would be, would be strengthened knowing that you are good and that you love us.